Well, folks, we are uh, in the midst of our study in John and our whole purpose in going through the Gospel of John, and we're going to be here a while, is to know Jesus. Now, you say, well, I already know a lot about Jesus. I know he's the Son of God. I know, I know what he did for me on the cross. I know that he rose again on the third day. He's sitting on the right hand of the Father, and one day he's going to come back. Yes, you know that. I, I appreciate that. But do you understand there's, there's something more than just simply knowing about someone. It's about knowing someone. That, that's really what the heart of Christianity is. Christianity is not that you got all your facts straight about Jesus and what's coming on in the future. Christianity is you personally getting to know someone on a personal level, getting to know God who wants to interact with you. Because, listen, let me be honest with you, that's why he saved you. He saved you to have a relationship with you. He saved you so that he could interact in your life. So the stuff that's bothering you right now, he wants to know about it. He wants to interact with you about it. The, the big pressing issue that you've got to make a decision about, God wants to help you make the right decision. He's even got a purpose for you in the midst of your life. And you say, well, you know, yeah, I understand that, but, you know, I've messed up. Well, yeah, he's the God who forgives, the God who picks up and sets you on a path again. This is the God who we have the opportunity to meet and get to know in an intimate way. You know, here's the thing. You and I were created to be relational beings. We, we were created to have a relationship with someone to interact with others. Very few people are loners, true loners, because we all have to interact with somebody. Well, the reason why you're like that is because God created you that way to be relational and then ultimately to have a relationship with him. Now, that's why we're doing this study, is to get to know Jesus. Now, as we are starting into John, we've went through that theological perspective he gave us in the prologue as far as who, who Jesus is and the reality is is that he's the son of God he's God now we're going to get into the story and he's going to start off with John the Baptist the forerunner the one who was to announce who's coming and what we're going to see here is John interacting with Really, the people of that day, the religious leaders of that day who were trying to figure out who he is. Because he wasn't matching up with their preconceived ideas about God. And I think that's a good place for us to start because, to be honest with you, and you can get this way, if you've been in church a long time, you begin to, I mean, it's, you just begin to gather a whole lot of thoughts that are not necessarily biblical, about who God is and how he acts. And they drive your thinking about who Jesus is and how he interacts with you. And, and so the reality is, is we're going to see here this whole concept of preconceived ideas, but yet John directs us, which is what his task was, is directs us back to the reality of who Jesus is. 
Okay, so let's look at this together. We're going to look at verses, uh, verse 19, all the way through verse 28. So notice with me, here's what the Apostle John writes. Now this is the testimony of John. He's talking about John the Baptist. When the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, who are you? He confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. And they asked him, what then? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? And he answered, no. Then they said to him, who are you that we may give an answer to those who sent us? What do you say about yourself? And he said, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. Now those who were sent were from the Pharisees. And they asked him, saying, well, Why then do you baptize if you are not the Christ, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? And John answered them, saying, I baptize with water, but there stands one among you whom you do not know. It is he who's coming after me is preferred before me, whose sandal strap I am not worthy to loosen. These things were done in Bethabara, beyond Jordan, where John was baptizing. All right, so here's what we're going to do, folks. We're going to see, first of all, his interaction with these leaders. I, I'm going to call this section Loaded Questions, okay? Loaded questions, and then we're going to see John pointing to a greater reality. Now, why do I say loaded questions? Well, because here's the reality. We like to put God in a box. No, no, George, I don't do that. No, if you think about it, we all like to put God in a box. We like to think that we know everything there is about God and how he acts and how he interacts with people. This was true even 2,000 years ago. These folks had God in a box. He was only supposed to act a certain way. So when something different happens, and believe me, folks, John the Baptist baptizing in the wilderness, people coming to him, that was different. That was not a normal, everyday occurrence. And so he's getting a following, and so they got to figure out what's going on here. And the only way that they can figure it out is by asking these loaded questions because in their mind, God only operated a certain way. So he's got to be one of several people. If he's not them, then who is he? Now, when you look at this interaction, it really reveals a lot about you and I because we develop concepts in our mind about who God is and how he acts. Now, how do we get those concepts? Well, it could be natural from your family, from your grandparents, from church, from a certain Sunday school teacher. And you have all of these different concepts and they develop in your mind and you begin to think in terms of God is that way. But there is a greater reality. Now, what does this have to do with meeting Jesus? Well, the reason why I think this is powerful when you look at this gospel is because if we're going to meet Jesus, you have to realize that Jesus is totally different than what you think about him. And sometimes you have to allow the scripture to open your mind as to the reality of who he is and how he acts. So let's first see how we can be, 
kind of like these folks with preconceived ideas. So first thing I want you to notice is this. Verse 19, look at what it says here. Now this is the testimony of John when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, who are you? Things that happen outside of our comfort zone must be investigated. Things that happen outside of our comfort zone must be investigated. Because look, to be honest with you, we like our spirituality and our church just a certain way. You know, I was just talking with Mike earlier in the service about, you ever hear somebody say, that's my pew? You ever hear somebody ever say, that's my pew? Do you want to know where that came from? You're going to be shocked by this. In the early 1800s, they didn't take past the plate for an offering. How churches survived in the 1800s, early 1800s, start of, the century, start of our nation, was as they sold the pew to a person to sit. And the prime seats, are you ready for this, were up front. Now, that's completely different now, isn't it? Because the prime seats are usually the ones in the back, right? Have you noticed there's nobody sitting up front here, okay? And so that whole concept of somebody coming in and seeing somebody else, they would say, you're in my pew. That carried on, because we're not collecting funds that way anymore, but the whole concept of you owning your pew is a reality. So we like church a certain way. And have you ever seen somebody get in a funk? I've seen people get in a funk because they didn't sit in their pew for the service. And so the service was not the same to them. So their whole week was messed up. How's that possible? Well, we get ourselves in ruts. And when something unusual happens... That's out of our comfort zone. See, what was happening here in this day? All of a sudden, this guy shows up. Dressed like a prophet from old. Out in the wilderness. People are coming to him. He's preaching a message of repentance. Preparing for the way of the Messiah. And that's not normal. And so they send leaders, they send priests and Levites. Those would be the religious, kind of keeping track of everything that's going on in society. The Pharisees have officials there as well to figure out what's going on here because this isn't normal. God doesn't act this way because they have some preconceived ideas. So here's what I want you to see. The second thing I want you to see, we see it from verse 20 to 21 is he confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. So John speaks up and says, I'm not the Christ. Now, what does that mean, Christ? Christ is the Latin word meaning Messiah. I'm not the Messiah, he's saying, okay? So they asked him, who are you then, Elijah? Now, some of you know from the Old Testament, 1 Kings, 2 Kings, Elijah the prophet. He was taken up into heaven. He didn't die. A chariot of fire came and took him. Now Malachi talks about, the prophet Malachi talks about that Elijah will come back in the end. So they were looking for Elijah to come back. They were looking for the Messiah. They were looking for Elijah to come back. So are you Elijah? And he answered, I am not. 
the next thing they say is, are you the prophet? Now, you, if you don't really understand that, you're like, well, there's a lot of prophets. Which prophet are they talking about? No, when they say the prophet, they're referring back to what Moses taught, that there would be a prophet like him who would come later and teach them. Another Moses. And so he says, are you, they say, are you the prophet? And he says, no, I'm not, I'm not that prophet. So here's what I want you to see. The things of God have to fit with our preconceived ideas. See, in their mind, the way to explain what was going on with John is he's got to fit one of these three motifs. He's either got to be the Messiah, he's either got to be Elijah, because he's sure dressing like Elijah, or he's got to be the prophet that Moses, the lawgiver, talked about. And see, that's what happens. When God works, we've got to try to find an explanation for it. We've got to try and find a way to explain this. And that's what we see happening here. And so the things of God have to fit with our preconceived ideas. You ever see God do something amazing in someone's life? And then you try to figure it out, but it just doesn't fit with your, well, every one of you has a theology, it just doesn't fit with your theology, with your understanding. And when it doesn't, you want to what? Explain it away. And that's what's happening here, is that they want to, to bring him down to a level of explaining who who. who John isn't what he's doing. Now, here's what I want you to see. Verse 22 and 23. Then they said to him, Who are you that we may give an answer to those who sent us? What do you say about yourself? And here's what he says. He said, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. All right, so here's what I want you to see. Our preconceived ideas about God hinder us from seeing the obvious. So here they are. They're like, okay, well, if you're not the Messiah, and if you're not Elijah, and if you're not the prophet, who are you? And why are you doing this? It should have been obvious to them. Why? Because John turns around and gives them a response directly from the prophet Isaiah who talks about before the Messiah would come, there would be a forerunner, a voice crying in the wilderness, make ready for the way of the Lord. And so what happens is, is that they get so wrapped up in their preconceived ideas about what's going to happen. They can't see the obvious when it happens. They can't see it. They can't understand it. And see, that happens to us. We get some preconceived ideas in our mind about how God is and what he does. And then when it doesn't go that way, it sends us for a loop. Like what, George? Well, I think I've mentioned this to you before. I think it's an interesting passage of Scripture talking about John the Baptist. 
Later on in Jesus' ministry, of course, he's going around, he's teaching, he's healing, he's raising the dead, the lame are walking, the blind are seeing. He's, he's doing a great ministry. He has a great ministry that's going on. People are following him. Well, John, who's in prison, and he's in prison because the ruler of that time, the ruler of Galilee, threw him in prison because John was preaching against the way that he was carrying on in his private life. So he's in a dungeon. And so, obviously, he's getting discouraged because he's got a preconceived idea about who the Messiah is and what the Messiah is supposed to do. And so he sends two of his disciples to see Jesus and says, hey, John says, are you the one or should we be looking for somebody else? And so here's what Jesus says. And this is, this is why it's in my mind. Jesus says... Go back and tell John what you see. And so then he quotes three passages from Isaiah about the, the lame walking, the blind seeing, the, 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 the uh, hungry are fed and so forth, the sick are healed. And then he makes this crazy statement in the midst of all of that at the end. Blessed is he who is not offended because of me. Now, when you read that, like I did for a long time, I'm reading that, and I'm thinking, wow. He's going back and saying, look, John, look at what I'm doing. But then why this statement at the end, blessed is he who's not offended because of me. Here's why. Because when he quoted those three passages from Isaiah, he left off part of the verse in the last passage. And the part of the verse was that he sets the prisoners free. He's basically telling John, John, I'm the Messiah, but you're going to die there. And blessed is he who's not offended because of me. See, here's the thing. Our preconceived ideas sometimes cause us to not see the obvious, that God doesn't act the way we want to act. God doesn't act the way we want him to act or the way that we think he should act. And yes, we get disappointed. But you keep holding on in faith. See, these guys had a preconceived idea. And when he, and John wasn't fitting into that preconceived idea, it's like, well, who are you then? Why are you doing this? John says, I'm the one that Isaiah talked about. But you overlooked that point. Here's the other thing I want you to see about the loaded questions issue. Verse 24, well, when he says that, that still didn't satisfy one group. We're going to see a lot about this group later on. It's the Pharisees. And here's what it said. They asked him, why then do you baptize if you are not the Christ, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? Here's what's going on. Our preconceived ideas about God challenge what we don't understand. So rather than asking simple question, okay, so why are you baptizing them? They want to know what authority, what is your deal doing this? If you're not these three guys, why are you doing something like these three guys? It's because their preconceived ideas couldn't allow them to see that sometimes God moves outside of our box. 
So what do we do with this? Well, that's where John gives us a greater reality. And so that's what we're going to focus on here in verse 23 through 25. Okay, because we want to get to meet Jesus, so how do we do that? And I think John gives us some ideas. Look with me at verse 23. John, in replying to them, says, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord. Here's what I want you to see. The first thing I want you to see is truly seeing God requires a preparation of one's life and mind. If you really want to know Jesus, okay, if you really want to see the Messiah and understand who he is and how he interacts in your life, it's going to take you preparing and dealing with some things in your own life. Because I'll be honest with you, not seeing God is not that he's hiding from you. It's because you're not allowing yourself to see him. Now, why would I not allow myself to see them? Well, sin is a big issue. In fact, that's what John was coming and baptizing. He was, he was doing a baptism of repentance. He was preparing people to see the Messiah who was coming. And so sometimes what we got to do, in order to see God working in our lives, the reason why we don't see his working or his spirit working in our lives is because our hearts aren't prepared to see him. And so John comes along and says, look, if you, you, I'm here to prepare the way, to prepare you to meet him. And so he brought people to the issue of repentance and baptized them with a baptism of repentance. It's about... Getting your heart right. Now, why, why do you mean, what do you mean, George? I don't know if I agree with that. Listen, why do you think the scripture talks about, okay, so here you are a believer in Jesus. Yes, I'm a believer in Jesus. I'm forgiven. But why do you think the scripture says to you and I who have the Holy Spirit living within us, okay, you have the Holy Spirit. Why do you think it tells you not to quench the spirit or grieve the spirit? How do you do that? How do you quench or grieve the spirit in your life? Doing things you shouldn't be doing. That's the issue, isn't it? So you're sitting there, well, I don't see God working in my life. Well, okay, then the question is, why don't you see God working in your life? It's not that he's hiding himself from you. It's because maybe you're hiding from him. And see, this is the greater reality. John says, you know what, you guys have got these preconceived, God's got to work in a simple way, but the reason why you're not seeing God working is because you've got these preconceived ideas, but you also are hindered because of stuff in your life. See, that's why he came. He came to prepare people to be ready for the Messiah. Okay? Here's the second thing I want you to see. There has to be a recognition that God is beyond our understanding. Look with me at verse 26. And John answered saying, I baptize with water, but there stands among you, there stands one among you whom you do not know. So 
he's saying, look, I'm baptizing with water, but there's somebody else who's coming you can't comprehend and understand. He's actually reflecting with that statement back to his prologue where he said what? The light is in the midst of darkness, and darkness what? Can't comprehend it. Can't understand it. That's why you have to be prepared. The reality is, is there has to be a recognition that God is beyond us. Just when I think I got God figured out in my life, folks, guess what I realize? I don't know very much about him. Because I don't. Here's the other thing I want you to see. Look with me at verse 27 now. He says this, It is he who is coming after me who is preferred before me whose sandal strap I am not worthy to loose. Here's the other thing I want you to see about the greater recognition. There has to be a recognition that God is superior to man. John's saying, the one who's coming after me is preferred before me. The one who's coming after me is more special than I am. The one who's coming after me is to have all of the glory and honor and all of the awe. I'm just nobody. Now, here's the problem today. We exist, and I'm talking about myself, we exist in a world where everything revolves around me and what I want and what I want to achieve and what I feel should happen in life. But the reality is, is that that's not the world in which we live in. Yeah, George, I, I, I agree. It's not about you. It's about what I want in this world, not you. Well, no, it's not even about you. It's about God and what he wants and what he is moving us to. And sometimes, can I be honest with you, that path is completely different than the path that you want So it goes back to that statement he made to John's disciples. Blessed is he who's not offended because of me. See, there has to be a recognition that God is greater than us. Now, here's the problem. What do you do? I do it. We, we tend to make our God like us. That he sees things like I see them. But he doesn't. So there, there is a recognition that God is superior to man. Now, here's the other thing that happens. There has to be a recognition that we are nothing compared to God. Notice the statement he says, whose sandal strap I'm not worthy to loosen. I thought it was interesting. A lot of different commentators mentioned that in that day, slaves basically did whatever they were told. But there was one thing that even a slave would not do. And that is loosen the straps on somebody's footwear. That was considered so menial a task that not even a slave would be told to do that. That was something you had to do on your own. And so John comes along and says, this one who's coming is so awesome, so spectacular, so holy, so great, I'm not even worthy to unloosen his sandal straps. Now, that would catch everybody's attention because everybody would know nobody does that. This guy is so awesome, you're not even worthy to do that for him? That's the point. 
there has to be a recognition that we are nothing compared to God. See, these are the basic points that you have to start out with. If you and I are going to be serious about meeting the Lord, if you and I are going to be serious about meeting Jesus, if we're going to be serious about coming to him and letting him show himself in a mighty way in our lives, then we're going to have to do a couple of things. Number one, we're going to have to deal with our preconceived ideas about who he is. Because that will keep you from seeing him do the work in your life. Then number two, you're going to have to develop a new mindset about approaching him. What is that new mindset? Number one, preparing yourself to meet him. What does that mean? Dealing with the stuff in your life. Quit making excuses. Quit making excuses. And then recognizing who you are before him. It's interesting, this week I was reading, I was reading, I've been reading a little book by a, a South African uh, pastor who wrote lots of devotionals, Andrew Murray. And I'm reading a book on the Lord's table for a project that I'm working on. And he talked about the whole issue of confession. And so this was the first time that I, I had it presented this way, and it kind of blew my mind. All right, so let's, let, all right, so here's what he's talking about. So first of all, does everybody recognize that we sin? Okay? Everybody recognizes that we sin, right? You sinned. You sinned this morning. You'll sin later on. You'll sin on the way home. You sin. Now, as a Christian, what are we supposed to do with our sin? Confess it, right? Okay. And sometimes, can I be honest with you, depending on the sin, that can be hard. Because if it's the sin that you continually give into that is destroying you, there is shame, right? There's guilt. There are a lot of intense feelings. And sometimes we don't confess. Murray came along and said in his little statement here something that was very interesting. He said, for the Christian... Confession isn't getting something. Confession is acknowledging something. I'm like, what? Because when I go, I'm, I'm supposed to go to be forgiven, right? His point was, is you are already forgiven. And that the reality of confession is, is that you go and acknowledge to him, God, I am nothing without you. And because I exist the way I do, I sin against you. And your son died for me. And I confess to you that I need Jesus because of my sin. And I need you to give me the victory over this. See, that's the attitude that we're talking about here. It's the attitude of going to him and saying to him, God, I am nothing. You are everything. God, I need to make straight. I need you to help me. And when you do that, Murray said, you will begin to, mind will begin, your heart will begin to open up to the reality of who Jesus is in your life. So what do we do with this? Well, we're going to start this journey. And hopefully, over the next few weeks, God will 
speak to you in your heart and show you himself. That's my prayer for you. Let me pray for you.